Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 28th in the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide, and absolutely we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the peaceful, restorative solutions we have at our fingertips. Welcome to the broadcast. Hope you had an absolutely delightful God, family, and country-filled weekend. We were live on Saturday and Friday. We were out of town on the road, but, man, we tore it up. I'm telling you, two incredible days of just riveting radio, to say the least. Not because of me, of course. Uh, You're probably sick of hearing me babble, but thanks so much for your time. Hopefully it's worth every minute you spend with me, educationally, entertaining, uh, and a whole lot more. Uh, But because of our guests, ladies and gentlemen, they are just great. Sheriff Richard Mack was with me part of the time on the broadcast on Saturday. Kurt Crosby was with me on the broadcast on Saturday. We discussed all things Liberty. Sheriff Mack's site, CSPOA.org. Kurt Crosby's website, localhoneyman.com. And we talked about the Utah uh, Governor Cox. He says, why I'm vetoing HB 11. And uh, the Utah legislative bodies, House and Senate, uh, did an override and rejected the governor's veto. HB 11 passed in a special session. Uh, The idea is that, hey, this bill stops boys from competing in girls' sports in middle and high school. And uh, the whole battle is over a term called transgender. And uh, the Utah Jazz even chimed in when the House and Senate uh, did an override for the veto. Utah Jazz released a statement, they say, on what's called transgender sports. There's no such thing as transgender sports, ladies and gentlemen. There are male and female sports, okay? Uh, And the... uh, They responded, meaning the Jazz... Uh, talked about the bill override. They say Utah Jazz oppose legislation that's discriminatory. We are committed to our values of inclusive inclusivity, I guess they say, mutual respect and fair play. Well, their statement um, is dishonest, ladies and gentlemen, to be honest with you. What do you mean on transgender sports? There's no such thing as transgender sports, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if there is, you've got to listen carefully, Jazz. You've got a men's NBA. You've got a women's NBA. Do you have a transgender NBA, may I ask you? And do you have men trying to play in the women's or WNBA? The answer to both those questions is no. You don't have a transgender NBA. You don't have a transgender Jazz team. You don't even have a female Jazz team team do you oh yeah we got the wnba okay what do you mean discriminatory legislation 
Okay, the idea that we back the science and men are men and women are women and men can't play in women's sports. That's discriminatory legislation. Shame on you. They say they're committed to our values. And, and what's that? Inclusivity? Uh-huh. Mutual respect? What does that mean? What about the poor women that the men are dominating in this dishonesty that rejects science? And they say in fair play, you think it's fair play for women to be forced to compete with men? Shame on you. They go on and say, beyond basketball, we hope for a fair and equitable solution that shows love and compassion for all our youth. What does that mean? See, the most love and compassion you can give is tough love, truth love, science-based love, God-ordained love, which says men are men and women are women, and the science backs that binary reality. And even if you identify with or believe you're of a different gender, it isn't the truth. Because you're scientifically born male or female, and even if you believe you're in the wrong body, even if you believe somehow, uh, you know, that doesn't change the truth. I mean, I can believe that I'm a founding father, ladies and gentlemen, but it doesn't make it so. Kurt Crosby attended a rally on Friday in support of HB 11 uh, and reported on that rally. Uh, the question that I have is, is transgender a third gender? If it is NBA, if it is jazz, create your own transgender third gender team then. And if it's not a third gender, ladies and gentlemen, then to suggest we have transgender sports or to give it, quote, gender status is a lie. You can't have it both ways, ladies and gentlemen. If you reject science and identify as the, quote, opposite gender, is it a lie? And the answer is yes, it's a lie. Look, is Sam Bushman a founding father? You know what? I identify with the Founding Fathers. I believe in the Founding Fathers. I love the Founding Fathers. I think they were incredible people. But no matter how hard I try, I'll never be a Founding Father. I'm born in the wrong generation for one thing. Don't worry about time or space or, or reality. Right? That, that's the problem here. Is there a third gender? No, there's not. To, to believe so is a, an against science lie. Uh, can someone genuinely believe they're assigned to the wrong gender at birth? Yes, they can believe that. But it doesn't make it scientifically true. And it doesn't make it true according to God's revealed word either. Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, thank you for having me, Sam. It's good to be with you. You are very welcome, sir. Quick uh, tidbit on this transgender bill, HB. Uh, 11, well, you've talked about it right from the very start, saying, hey, men should not participate in female sports. Amen to that. Shame on the governor. Shame on the jazz. They're all picking the transgender side of this. They're literally lying to the public and rejecting science. They're rejecting God's word on the matter as well. Uh, and if it's a third gender, create a third gender sports. Just create the transgender NBA, transgender jazz team, uh, or whatever. If it's not a third gender then to give them third gender status or to let people believe they're of the opposite sex than they really are because they identify that way, 
uh, is not following the science. It's a flat-out lie. And I really commend the legislative body for standing up on this one. It's rare to see, Lowell. Well, it is rare. Uh, I liked what uh, Florida Governor DeSantis did. You know, he declared that uh, uh, the woman who came in second in the NCAA final was the champion. He refused to uh, acknowledge the fact that Leah Thomas won the race. <laughs> That's just not fair. You know, we we need more we need more governors like like that that just refuse to you know go along with this uh, the pseudoscience and instead they back the real science. Um, that's what we ought to be doing. <clears throat> so yeah, I I I I still you know am a little little torn. I'm I'm glad that the, the legislature veto uh, overrode the governor's veto. Absolutely uh, glad about that. But <clears throat> it's also you know, sad that we have a caveat in there still that says if we, you know, if the if a court of competent jurisdiction, quote unquote, rules that this is unconstitutional, then then we're going to allow boys to play on men's on on women's teams. I think it should be just a strict prohibition. I don't think there should be any caveat at all. But you know, maybe we can strike that caveat in the legislative session next year. I don't know. We'll see. It's certainly a hope, and I agree that caveat's a problem. I get it, but at least somebody's trying to stand up somewhere is what I would say. At least somebody's trying to tell the truth. Because, look, this is a scientific lie to suggest there's some kind of a third gender. Or if you claim it's not a third gender, then this idea that you can just identify uh, with being of the opposite gender or whatever. I mean, I would like to identify as a founding father, Lowell. (laughs) What about you? Are you you right in? Are you going to identify as a founding father, sir? Well, no. That's uh, that day is, has passed. We're in a different day now. We Whoa, no wait way. a minute. Wait a minute. You kids can't just de- defy all time and space and logic and reality and just reject science and and make it so. <laughs> no, nobody can do that, Sam. <laughs> oh yeah, good point. All right, I guess I'm not a founding father. I just revere them and try to carry forward their legacy. Let's say it that way, then, shall we? Yeah, let's do. All right. Welcome to the broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson doing a phenomenal job. And, man, he watched a Utah County attorney debate. So what are we talking about, running for the DA? Yep. Oh, boy. Yep, yep. It it was uh, quite the debate. I mean, the knives were out in that debate, very different than the county clerk's debate, which was very, you know, civil and, there was no accusations made. Well, boy, it's totally different here. The county attorneys, they went after each other big time with the knives out, you know, hoping to split the wrist of the other candidates, basically, figuratively speaking. Um, one of the big topics of the program, uh, was called, it's called the pre-filing diversion program, um, which is, uh, which was, you know, it's a, it's a law uh, Utah passed and allows uh, the county attorney can charge a person with a misdemeanor instead of a felony. Sam, very interesting idea here. Let's talk about it, because I think it's a, a worthy idea to a great degree. We'll do it all in seconds, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the one and only Liberty Roundtable Live with Lowell Nelson, campaignforliberty.org on your radio.
Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. Small Business Tech Guys is a team of experts ready to assist you with any service relating to growing your business. Our team specializes in information and technology, social media, general consulting, and HR. We thrive on assisting startup entrepreneurs with growing their businesses. If it's small business, it's our cup of tea. To schedule your free discovery call today, consider sbtechguys.com. We keep an eye on tech so you don't have to. sbtechguys.com. You are a racist. Your mom is a racist. Your dad is a racist. And your entire family is racist. And you should all be punished. That's what Governor Brad Little thinks about you. So much so that he took $30 million of taxpayers' money to force critical race theory down the throats of school children, even though the Idaho legislature voted against it. This is the doctrine that teaches your children that just because they are white, they are racist. Yes, your governor, good old Brad Little, violated the constitutional law and did this while you weren't watching. Why is Governor Brad Little paying to promote radical leftist doctrine loved by Democrats like Boise Mayor McLean and sleepy Joe Biden? This is Ammon Bundy, and we need to completely reject critical race theory in Idaho. Paid for by Ammon Bundy for governor. VoteBundy.com Gentlemen, we're talking about a Utah county. So a very one, only one out of 3,081 plus counties in America. Attorney debate to decide who's going to be the district attorney in the Utah county area. But the reason we're talking about this is it has national implications to say the least. So one of the attorneys is talking about this, this idea that we can reduce the severity of a crime uh, literally by uh, intelligence or deciding, hey, wait a minute. Does reality fit, Lowell? Yeah, you know, when we really need to understand and ask ourselves, what is the purpose of the criminal justice system? Is it merely punitive? Is it just there to punish people and no more? I mean, where is the recompense for victims, for example? Should that be part of our criminal justice system? What, what about, you know, instead of just merely punishing person, can you also help to redeem them, right? Can it be redemptive? And, you know, and, and so the current county attorney is asking these kinds of questions and is not just charging a person with a felony, you know, if, he, if it's not a violent or a dangerous crime. For example, there's a lot of uh, crimes on the books, Sam. You, you and I know, both know this, right? I mean, you can be charged with three felonies a day in the United States if, if, without even knowing you commit three felonies a day. There's a book that's titled that or something. And so there's and so there's laws on the books that by which you could be charged with a felony, right? Well, but but there but you're you're not a dangerous person, you're not a violent person, and so why should you be charged with a felony? Because if if you're convicted of a felony, then you your life is turned upside down. You can't vote, you can't hold a job, you can't 
do a ton of things which would normally allow you to integrate back into society. In other words, you're an outcast now. That's not redemptive. Uh, that is not redemptive, you know, in our criminal justice system. It and also so, doesn't you know, provide any second chances for those who have virtually clean mm-hmm. records as well, okay? We can't just mm-hmm. turn people into criminals because of one uh, supposed misstep or maybe uh, something that's a felony that ought not be or when, when there's not violence, when there's not sex offenses, when there's, you know, hey, where's the victim in many cases with some of these felonies as well? Exactly, and so that's why I do like the, the thinking of the current county attorney on, on this very question. Now, he's getting grilled in the court of public opinion as being soft on crime. But this very excoriation that he gets from KSL and from the Desert News and from the Salt Lake Tribe, all these articles about, about how bad he is, you know, it actually boosts my confidence in him, Sam, <laughs> because I have such low regard for the lamestream media here in Utah. So if you get lambasted by KSL, for example, that's probably a feather in your cap. You're probably doing the right thing. And plus, plus it's, a, it's a fact that the average prison population in Utah County Jail, which used to be up around 750 people, is down to about 400, the daily population. And the current county attorney believes the number of violent and dangerous ruffians in the county jail really is about 100. So, you know, I see that number continuing to drop. Incidentally, the, the budget for the jail has not been cut despite the drop in the number of incarcerated prisoners. But that's that's a subject for the county commissioners to address, not not the county attorney. But anyway, so this is the first of three topics which I took great interest in this debate: this pre-filing diversion program, um, which which allows the criminal justice system here in Utah County to actually be redemptive instead of merely punitive. So very very interesting topic. Um, Another topic was the death penalty. You know, he the Kern County attorney. Uh, is accused of being soft on crime, and yet it turns out that he is probably the only county attorney we've ever had who actually charged the death penalty. Well, he did that, and he spent $4 million taxpayer money charging a person with the death penalty, you know, and, 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 and there's trade-offs, Sam. Believe it or not, there's trade-offs. He doesn't have an unlimited budget. He doesn't have unlimited staff. And so in spending the time and money to charge one person with the death penalty, he thereby um, ignored the, you know, 235 other felony cases. So, in other words, if you look at the average cost of a felony case prosecution versus um, a capital crime, you know, death penalty case, well, (laughs) 235 to 1, Sam. And so, you know, does it really make economic sense? to charge everybody with a death penalty, you know, just because of a serious crime. So, you know, there there are trade-offs there, and we need to be smart about what we we charge and and what we don't charge. Now, you know, he believes that if you're violent and dangerous, yeah, then you need to be locked up. But there are hundreds of people who are not violent, who are not dangerous, who are locked up. And um, and and they currently have this felony conviction on their on their record, and so it just makes it very difficult for them to, to reintegrate back into society. Um, he he also disbanded, he terminated the special victims unit, despite the fact that he has prosecuted more sex crimes than his predecessor, and even though his challengers claim that there is no no focus on sex crimes, see that doesn't really add up. 
so that was a big big topic and then the third big topic and, and I do want your comments on these is plea bargaining you know some of the challengers are saying that you know plea bargaining is the way to go that's what that's what we had to do it saves time and money saves the victims yes yeah, I don't I don't agree with that at all yeah, and, I'll, okay, and I'll tell you why. why. What, what happens is that people get into a situation where, because the government can make all kinds of threats and intimidations about their quote side of the case, people plea bargain oftentimes because they feel like if I don't, I'm going to get barbecued. And so mm-hmm. here's the example: I'm innocent, but if I take my chances and I'm they don't see it the way I see it, then hey. Uh, they're going to be piping sunshine into me, baby. And so I'm just going to go ahead and cop a plea to something I didn't even do or something that I'm not guilty of or something that they claim is way worse than it was. And I really think of January 6th to make the point. Okay? Mm -hmm. Look, these people are intimidated by the FBI. These people are intimidated by the media all the way through. Um, And so all I'm telling you is I don't really believe in plea bargaining. Look, if you're guilty, you're guilty. Let's prove it and deal with it. If you're not guilty, though, hey, you know what? We, the burden needs to be the burden of proof, not the burden of plea bargain. And, and so oftentimes we've created this plea bargain as a way to, to save face for government who gets out of control uh, or save face for something where they don't have a strong enough case. They're like, hey, don't worry, you can cop a plea because we'll threaten you and intimidate you into doing so. And then we look like we had something on you or we won even though we didn't. And so oftentimes I find this plea bargain to be bogus. Yeah, I think we're in total agreement in there, uh, Sam. Another important point the current county attorney made was that um, it's an important check on the government, right? I mean, he has the power. The county attorney has power to charge you with a crime and prosecute you, and you can't touch him because he's indemnified, right? He's immune from prosecution because he's acting in an official capacity as a public servant. Right. And so he can do pretty much anything, make your life miserable. Uh, and there's no check on him except at jury trial where, where, where you come before a, a jury of your peers. And they are the ones who determine your guilt or innocence. And, and thereby it puts the it, it, it's another important check on the government. Well, and this so is where I, a fully informed jury can add to that. The last line of defense uh-huh. to say, you know what, Lowell, you might be guilty of this infraction, but we think the law's bogus anyway, or uh, unfairly harsh, or whatever. And so we can judge that too and say, you know what, I don't care if Lowell's guilty. The fact is, it's a teeny infraction. It's bogus anyway. The government's just, you know, rationing up revenue over this or whatever they're doing, or they took advantage of him uh, because of a, a political issue. They don't like Lowell because he's on the radio or whatever the case may be. And so the jury can, a fully informed jury can say, hey, we're going to do what's right by this person. And, and I believe that's one of the greatest checks and balances America has. And if we ever decide that we're not going to let a jury happen, in my opinion, we've simply violated due process. Well, it's a tragedy. Well, that uh, is why we must mention a gentleman named Lysander Spooner, who in 1852, that's 150 years ago now, he published a short tract entitled Trial by Jury. And that changed my outlook significantly. I've, it's been 30 years now since I've read that thing. But, and I've read it several times, and I wholeheartedly recommend that to everybody, every one of our listeners, everybody in the, in the, in the country should read and be familiar with the principles in this short tract entitled Trial by Jury by Lysander Spooner, 
Uh, it is available for free on the internet. You can just do a search and, and you can read that tract and be really up to speed on why trial by jury is such an important part of our due process here in the state. Sam? And our current society has looked for ways to deny trial by jury for so many things, which gives the government the belligerent, unfair upper hand. And traffic uh, citations or traffic violations are one of those where you don't really get a jury, which I think is wrong. What it means is they turn it into revenue generating and abuse the public without due process, uh, without having to prove their case. And that, to me, is a serious, serious problem because it's a huge revenue for the government but it eats out the substance of the people all right ladies and gentlemen you want more doritos we'll tell you how in seconds on your radio protecting your liberties you're listening to liberty news radio USA Radio News with Lance Pride. President Biden will propose more than $32 billion in new spending money to fight the crime surge in America. The budget proposal to be released today will include $20.6 billion for the next fiscal year for the Department of Justice discretionary spending on federal law enforcement, crime prevention, and intervention. That's $2 billion more than last fiscal year. In a stunning moment during the 94th Academy Awards on Sunday, Will Smith went up on stage and hit Chris Rock after the stand-up comedian made a joke about the actor's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith. <laughs> oh, wow! Wow! Smith, accepting the Best Oscar Award in King Richard, later apologized to the Film Academy and his fellow nominees as tears streamed down his face. Smith's wife suffers from a disease that is common with hair loss. We are USA Radio News. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-444-9336. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-444-9336. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800-444-9336. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds, too. Call 800-444-9336. 800-444-9336. Russia's communications enforcers told Russian media on Sunday to refrain from reporting an interview done with Ukrainian President Zelensky and said it had started a probe into the outlets which had interviewed the Ukrainian leader. In a short statement distributed on social media and posted on its website, it said a host of Russian outlets had done an interview with Zelensky. Russian prosecutors said a legal option would be made on the statements made in the interview and on the legality of publishing the interview. Israeli officials are reporting ISIS terrorists killed two people and injured six in a shooting attack Sunday in the Israeli city of Hadera, about 31 miles north of Tel Aviv. The attack coincided with a regional summit in Israel's Negev Desert, where top diplomatic officials from the United Arab Emirates, Bahrain, Morocco, Egypt, Israel, and the United States are meeting to discuss security issues. 
For more information, visit us online at usaradio.com. We are USA Radio News. All right, ladies and gentlemen, all you got to do is end the Fed if you want to get more Doritos, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Ron Paul writes an incredible, fun, but poignant column, ladies and gentlemen, that highlights the reality of solutions, Lowell. Yes, he says there is a stealth form of inflation called shrinkflation. (laughs) Shrinkflation. That occurs when businesses reduce the size of a product so its price can stay the same. For example, Frito-Lay recently began putting fewer chips in a bag of Doritos, reducing the weight of the bag about 5% from 9.75 ounces to 9.25 ounces, um, and, 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 of course, charging the same for less. And that's really a type of price inflation. That's a type of price increase. <laughs> and so that's called shrinkflation, shrinkflation. So last week, the Fed, the Federal Reserve increased the interest rate by 0.25%, and they announced six more rate increases this year, which will increase interest rates from near zero to about 1.9 percent. You know, if they follow through on their announced rate increases, well, they face a dilemma of its own making. Right? They can, if they they can continue to keep rates low, but the dollar crisis will get bigger and bigger. Right? And the dollar crisis can then lead to major economic meltdown, worse than the Great Depression. Uh, but if the Fed increases rates to, you know, whatever they should should be in the free market, then that would dramatically increase the federal government's debt payments burden. I mean, you can imagine, right? I mean, if, if money isn't worth anything, it'd be easy to pay off the debt. But if the U.S. dollar goes up in value, then it becomes very difficult to pay off the U.S. debt. Not that they have the mind to pay it off, actually, but... Um, the reason Congress can spend recklessly is because the U.S. dollar is the world reserve currency. Um, and one of the pillars of the dollar status is the use of the dollar in the international oil market, which makes it, we call it the petrodollar, petro for petroleum. The petrodollar may soon be replaced. You've got Saudi Arabia, again, considering that, uh, to, uh, about selling their oil for the Chinese yuan instead of the U.S. dollar. Uh, because of the OPEC agreement from 1970, Sam, that's why every sale of oil in the world today is denominated in U.S. dollars. That's why the U.S. dollar has remained strong, uh, even though um, it's, it's, you know, they've been printing trillions of trillions of them over the past two years. Um, and so now India and Russia, they're considering trading oil and uh, denominating it in rupees and in rubles instead of U.S. dollars. And uh, that will help get around the U.S. sanctions. And so there's great concern about the stability of the U.S. economy. See, before now, the U.S. has been able to go in and bully these nations into denominating their oil in dollars. That's what the U.S. was doing in Venezuela, what the U.S. was doing in in Iraq, taking out Saddam Hussein what they were doing in Libya and taking out Gaddafi, they were enforcing the petrodollar system in order to maintain the value of the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency. Well, you know, you can only bully people so long and then, you know, the, 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 the bullied countries will stop being bullied. They'll simply refuse. That's, that's what's going to happen. 
happen. That's going to that's going to be the end of the U.S. dollar, and it's going to be an end to the uh, everybody's bank accounts. And uh, when the dollar, the value of the dollar goes to zero because nobody wants the U.S. dollar, and there becomes a new U.S. I mean, a new re reserve currency on the world scene. You know, we don't know which one it's going to be. It might be the Chinese yuan. It might be the the Indian rupee. It might be the Russian ruble. Who knows? But there will be another, a new reserve world currency in the coming, I don't know, 5, 10, 20 years. Who knows how soon? But you know, it kind of makes me think, Sam, that uh, we, uh, that this whole war in Ukraine is cover for the demise of the dollar because the Fed cannot continue to prop it up and the U.S. regime cannot continue to bully other countries around the world into using the U.S. dollar as their um, medium of exchange uh, for oil. So it's all very interesting. And so, you know, Ron Paul ends his column. He says, Congress should restore a sound monetary policy by auditing and then ending the Fed, as well as by repealing both the legal tender laws and the capital gains taxes on precious metals and cryptocurrencies. Ending the welfare warfare state and ending fiat currency can lead to a transition to a new era of liberty, peace, and prosperity, and a full bag of Doritos chips. Bam? I think that <clears throat> one of the things that's great about Ron Paul's column is it's funny. Because, like, end the Fed and get more Doritos. It's kind of comical. You just go, yeah, wow. But when you really study the fundamental realities that Ron Paul teaches in this column, it is really, really riveting, ladies and gentlemen. Think about this for a second. A stealth form of inflation is shrinkflation. That's when you basically charge more. or I'm sorry, charge the same for less. So you're paying more. You charge the same for less. So you're really paying more. Now, here's some fundamental things that Ron mentions in this column that I find so valuable. He says this, and really, this is so solutions-oriented. Listen to me carefully, ladies and gentlemen. A lot of the patriots believe it's over. There's nothing we can do. It's because we don't have enough of us. It's because when you have a county of, say, 10,000 people, and you have, like, 40 people that are, like, really, 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 you know, on board for liberty, that's just not enough people. And that's the problem we're facing in most situations today. There's just not enough of us. And so a lot of the patriots are getting really frustrated and wanting to take extreme actions because they feel like we're out of options. I get it. But I also get unless you have enough people, you're not going to make the difference that you hope to make. You've got to get more people. We're not a democracy, so you don't need a majority, but you do need a large enough tireless minority. So listen carefully. Here's what he says. When a critical mass, think about that term, when a critical mass of people demands fiscal responsibility and constitutionally limited governments, the politicians will comply. That's the point, ladies and gentlemen. We just don't have enough of us. That's why education, education, education is so vital. And you've got to be patient till we get enough of us. Because remember, even if you could get your way with your tiny, tiny, tiny group, our whole system is designed to prevent tiny groups from getting control. You say, well, the elites have done it. Yeah, they have. But they've done so patiently over a long period of time. They didn't do so instantly. Therefore, you got to understand we can't fix it instantly. The only way is to get more and more and more people to be engaged in our worthy cause, more people to set brush fires of freedom around the country, more people to understand, okay, to put an end to the welfare 
warfare state, Congress can drastically reduce the military budget and end all corporate welfare and shut down all unconstitutional cabinet departments. The savings can then be used to pay down debt and to support those truly dependent on the government programs. Now listen to me, not forever, but while responsibility for providing assistance returns to local institutions and private charities. Okay, these are the real solutions. But again, you say, well, Sam, Congress won't do that. Right now they won't. But when was the last time Americans got incensed enough and had large enough numbers to literally turn out all 435 members of Congress in a single election cycle? See, Americans aren't serious. We keep retaining over and over and over those people that are betraying us. And the key, the solution, ladies and gentlemen, is for enough of us to get involved. And until that happens, you're not going to see change. But we got to end the Fed. Well, how many people are demanding it? If I, were to, if I were to literally get a poll right now, how many Americans would go on record demanding an end to the Fed and do something to make their will known? See, that's the problem is we just don't have enough of us, Lowell. Well, the encouraging news, Sam, is that uh, there are a lot of mama bears out there that are incensed with our school board, and they are making a big, big difference. There are a ton of people out there who are incensed with the lack of security in our election system, and they are out there. I mean, I've never seen more angry people at uh, our county delegate uh, debates, you know, like the county attorney debate we mentioned at the outset of this program, like the county clerk's debate that we discussed last week. Um, right here in Utah County, there are, uh, you know, there's standing room only events. When's the last time you saw standing room only at a, at a county clerk's debate? Amen. And it's a start and it's good, but we got to have that relating to more of these critical issues. The school board's one thing, uh, but for all I care, shut down the communist cesspool of government school in the first place. Don't just riot and hope the communists do what you want them to do. So we need to get engaged in more critical issues like ending the Federal Reserve, like the issues that Ron Paul articulates. So it's a start and you're seeing the difference. There's no doubt about it to prove the point. But we have got to get involved. Let me give you an example. There's a manufactured world crisis going on. Lou Rockwell speaks of it. Let's come back and talk about it. How many Americans are going to make sure we don't go to war? Liberty Roundtable live in seconds with Lowell Nelson. for Moral Law is a nonprofit legal foundation committed to protecting our unalienable right to publicly acknowledge God. The Foundation for Moral Law exists to restore the knowledge of God in law and government and to acknowledge and defend the truth that man is endowed with rights not by our fellow man but by God. The foundation maintains a twofold focus. First, litigation within state and federal courts. Second, education conducting seminars to teach the necessity and importance of acknowledging God in law and government. How can you help? 
please make a tax-deductible contribution, allowing foundation attorneys to continue the fight. You may also purchase various foundation products as well at morallaw.org. Located in Montgomery, Alabama, the Foundation for Moral Law is a nonprofit, tax-exempt 501c3 founded by Judge Roy Moore. Please partner with us to achieve this important mission, morallaw.org. Have you ever heard of Loving Liberty Ladies? Well, the Loving Liberty Ladies are here to help you learn our American heritage and the way it affects today's society. The Loving Liberty Ladies also have a discussion guide called Proclaim Liberty. And with this guide, you can start your own group in your hometown. Get yours today on our website at lovingliberty.net. Look for our lesson supplements, too. They're free. To hear all the special offers and to join the fight for freedom and liberty, please go to lovingliberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Gentlemen, back with you live, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org on your radio. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's a manufactured world crisis. There's multiple manufactured world crises going on right now, Lowell, but war is at the top of the list. It is, Sam, and when we wonder why the situation in Ukraine has, has brought us to the brink of world war, Lou Rockwell is here reminding us that Ukraine has been poking the bear for the past eight years, you know, ever since the uh, revolution in 2014, when the U.S. helped to uh, orchestrate the undermining of the current leadership and basically did a coup in Ukraine or organized, orchestrated the, the Ukrainian coup 2014. Ever since then, uh, you know, the, the Ukrainians have been have been beating up and poking the bear, so to speak, because the the uh, the, the two. Uh, regions in southeastern Ukraine, in the Donbass region, the eastern side of Ukraine, they seceded from Ukraine. They withdrew. They, they formed independent pro-Russian republics, these two regions. Uh, one is Donetsk, and I forget the, the name of the other, but uh, they formed their own independent states. And when they did that, then that's when the, uh, the, that's when the Ukrainian army began to, to beat them up. They they attack them. They begin to shelling them, send bombs and missiles their way. That's been going on for eight years, and uh, you know, and just just in front of or just before, just prior to the Russian so-called invasion of Ukraine, which is really a defensive military movement on their part. But just before that, you had two-thirds of the Ukraine's military amassing along the Donbass the border, you know, the region between Ukraine and the Donbass region uh, where the, the fighting was. And so you had all these these troops, uh, and, and, you know, amassing on this uh, system uh, along this border. And then you had the Ukraine military using American anti-tank missile system called the Javelin against the Donbass region uh, and asking for even more armaments and asking for greater commitment from the U.S. and other NATO countries. And so what we see here really is the this is the war before the war. 
this is what was going on. Uh, this is poking the bear, and this is in, in the military response that Putin um, uh, gave his approval to was, uh, you know, we need to we need to reestablish this buffer between NATO and the Russian territory, and so that's what they're doing, and they're trying to do it surgically. They don't want to kill people; they just want to take over the country and the cities and and um, and and get them to stand down. They just want this buffer. They don't want NATO expanding east into their territory and, and placing missiles, nuclear missiles, pointing at Russia right next door. That's not how, you know, it's not, we wouldn't allow that. We didn't allow that during the Cuban Missile Crisis. Why do we expect Russia to allow that in Ukraine? It just doesn't make any sense. So Lou Rockwell, he cites the great American historian Charles Beard, who asked the question, on what should the foreign policy of the United States be based? It is, and he answers his own question here, he says, it is the doctrine formulated by George Washington and supplemented by James Monroe. And um, it is the, it, it was followed by the government of the United States until near the end of the 1800s, right? Until so about, you know, for at least the first hundred years of our country's history, we followed the Monroe Doctrine. The United States should not become implicated by any permanent ties. We should promote commerce, but force nothing. We should steer clear of hate and love. We should maintain correct and formal relations with all established governments. Outside of this hemisphere, our interests are remote, and our power to enforce our will is relatively slight. Nothing we can do for Europeans will substantially increase our trade or add to our or their well-being. End of quote. That was Charles Beard talking there. And, Sam, that's what we should do. We should heed the wisdom of George Washington and the Monroe Doctrine and that of Charles Beard today. If we don't do that, then our world may just be going up in flames around us, Sam. I think that's absolutely right. I think it's a wise point. We need to stay out of war, ladies and gentlemen. We need to realize, we need to learn the lessons of non-intervention, the lessons of, you know what, let things work out themselves. We need to understand, ladies and gentlemen, we need to learn the lesson of, what, 1914 as opposed to 1938, Lowell? Yes, Ryan McMakin teaches us this important piece of history, something with which I was not familiar. But the lesson of 1938 is a reference to the Munich Conference of 1938 when UK's Prime Minister Chamberlain and others agreed to allow Adolf Hitler's Germany to annex the Sudetenland in Czechoslovakia, right? They did that as a way to avoid the general war in Europe. And But ever since then, the, the lesson of Munich, or the lesson of 1938, for advocates of military intervention is that it's always best to escalate international conflicts and to meet all perceived aggressions with immediate military force rather than to embrace compromise or non-interventionism, right? So that's the lesson of 1938. But it is not true that every act of diplomacy is designed to be appeasement, right? It's not true. And hence we go to the lesson of 1914. Uh, and there are many, many different uh, other uh, uh, history lessons on this, but the lesson of 1914 is was the lead up to the First World War, uh, 
turns out that the Austrian regime issued an ultimatum to the Serbians, okay? So you got this fight between the Austrians and the Serbians. Well, in response, the Russians, they supported Serbia. And in response to that, the Germans mobilized support for Austria-Hungary. And then the UK and the US, they spun propaganda about alleged German war crimes in Belgium to garner support in the UK and the US for war. And that was turned into four years of preventable and utterly pointless bloodshed, Sam. That was the lesson of 1914, this idea that you have to escalate with a military response whenever you see something wrong, right? This, this policy of intervention, interventionism. And so that's what the lesson of 1938 is, the lesson of 1914. We need to learn the lesson of 1914 and stop Let me give you a, a two-second example of this. Yeah. <clears throat> Our, just say Sam and Lola are arguing at a family dinner about something. And I then say, Grandma, I'm right about this, aren't I? You need to tell Lowell what's going on, because I'm right on. Mm-hmm. Grandma and, and Grandma smiles at both of us and says, "Both of us and says, the pie's ready. Would you like a piece of pie?" <laughs> what has she done? She's changed she the subject. She's kind of told us, guys, I'm not going to get involved in that, and she's deflected the. Re- okay, that's what we need to learn to do diplomatically as Americans. As we set the stamp, set the example, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know any better way to say that. The lesson of 1914 and all these other lessons are, look, stay out of it. Have a humble foreign policy. Grandma was humble. Grandma was diplomatic. Grandma just said, look, I'm not getting into that. She said, you know, I'm not even going to decide who's right or wrong. You know what? There's things that are more important. And believe it or not, right now, piece of pie and getting along and uh, setting aside your differences is more important than me picking sides. All right, what are the chattering classes of Russia talking about? Well, you've got the Ukrainian news organs. Uh, They're saying stuff like this. They're addressing the wives and the fiancés of Russian airmen, warning them that they will soon be widows, that Ukrainian forces will follow them to the ends of the earth to take revenge for their role in the current war, that they will be killed while vacationing on the beaches of Turkey, and so on and so forth. That's what they're televising uh, to Russia. That's their or that's their propaganda they're they're sending. And then on the other side, the Russian uh, propaganda is this: um, they are inciting hatred for Ukrainians, preparing them for the much more cruel conduct of the war that Russia is likely about to implement, given that its human resources are insufficient to further prosecute the war quickly under the gentlemanly rules observed up till now. To be specific, the Russians may switch over to the quote-unquote American way of war out of necessity, meaning they'd be using carpet bombing to neutralize Ukrainian forces. Talk about an indictment of our country when they refer to the American way of war, which is to just indiscriminately kill men, women, and children, that is a huge indictment on America. But it's true. I mean, we we deserve it because that's what we do. And so, anyway, so you got these uh, propaganda, one coming out of Ukraine, demonizing Russians and and telling them they're going to die and we're going to kill you, you know, and... uh, and, Yeah, so much for the innocence of the Ukraine, right? 
Yeah, yeah clearly. So much, so much got... just for the for the Ukrainians saying, "My gosh, we're getting overrun and we're just defending ourselves." So much for that narrative. If you really pay attention to their side of the media blitz of propaganda, right? Exactly. They're both spinning the propaganda big time, and it's not serving to uh, be like Grandma saying, well, "How about a piece of pie?" But on the ground, it's quite different from what we're being told and from the propaganda everywhere. Lou Rockwell and others double down in in highlighting what's really happening, Lowell. That's right. Russia does have a de facto no-fly zone. Within the very first 24 hours, back in March or February 24th, of Russian military operations in Ukraine, all the Ukrainian ground radar intercept capabilities were wiped out. And what that means is that the Ukrainian Air Force lost its ability to do air-to-air intercepts. And so Russia really has established a de facto no-fly zone over Ukraine. Uh, what about that 40-mile Russian column stalled outside or north of Kiev for more than a week? Well, it's clear that Ukraine's ability to launch a significant military operation has been eliminated, right? No artillery attack on the column, no fixed-wing or rotary-wing aircraft attack on the column, no cruise missile attack on the column, no infantry ambush of the column. Ukraine is now cut off in the south and in the north. We got the destruction of de facto NATO military bases. It turns out that NATO conducted cybersecurity training at Zydemir in September of 2018. Well, Zydemir was destroyed with hypersonic missiles two Saturdays ago, Sam. Uh, That was just 10, uh, 12 days ago. And then another city in Ukraine, Yavoriv, uh, suffered a similar fate just one day later on Sunday. And so then why? Well, it was the primary training and logistics center that NA, uh, of NATO in, in supplying fighters and weapons to Ukraine. So you see that Russia is dominating this war. They are clearly superior militarily to the Ukraine, and, 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 and so it is a huge miscalculation here in the West, thinking that economic sanctions on Russia would bring them to their knees. Well, the opposite is true. Russia is self-sufficient, not dependent on imports. And And really, uh, this means that the looming collapse of the Ukraine resistance is upon us, Lowell. Exactly right, Sam. Which brings us back to where we started, Sam. The war in Ukraine, in my opinion, there are many reasons for it, but one of the reasons is merely cover for the destruction of the U.S. dollar. We knew it wouldn't last forever, Sam. It is on its way out the door. Ladies and gentlemen, pray for peace, teach of peace, focus on peace. If enough Americans demand we stay out of it, that's exactly what will happen. And we need to return to sound money ASAP while we have a window of opportunity. For Lowell Nelson and Sam Bushman, thanks so much for being alongside for the ride. Hopefully it was an educational hour to say the least. Notes will be up in mere minutes. If you want to get links to the articles we talk about and more, God save the Republic of the United States of America. Broadcasting live. From atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, West. you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. 
Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, continues now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for March 28th, the year of our Lord, 2022. This is our two of two in the goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced that checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. What are the great peaceful restorative solutions we still have at our fingertips? We reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. Hope you had a God, family, country-filled weekend, as I did. The good doctors in the house, his goal to preserve the nation, his collegiate series to match, available at freedomsrisingsun.com, along with weekly webinars and a whole lot more, ladies and gentlemen. Freedomsrisingsun.com, Dr. Scott Bradley, welcome back, sir. Well, thank you. We begin another week. Can you believe? I mean, where time flies when you're having fun, but I'm not so sure we can uh, attribute the uh, accelerated time to a lot of fun with some of the foolishness that's going on around the world today but uh, boy i'll tell you time does fly though and we're back for another week amen to that uh so i've got a very weighty matter i want to discuss dr bradley today and it is this sovereign citizen movement all right over 10 years ago forbes magazine had a question what is a sovereign citizen forbes magazine and ladies and gentlemen i get several things i get that we're sick of government and their belligerence and they're taking power to themselves without authority they're literally violating the checks and balances vertically and horizontally the states have been turned into political subdivisions of the fed the fed's belligerently spending us into oblivion with fake money buying up everything on the planet and out of control the warmongering folks are out of control and you and i are suffering liberty loss like we've never seen before i get it I understand the frustration, and I also get that 90% of our government is unconstitutional and should be shut down. I get all that and agree with all that. But on the other side, a lot of patriots, you know, don't understand, and they feel like they've done all they can for the sacred cause of liberty, and so therefore they're out of options. By golly, let's just crank up the Declaration of Independence and uh, either go for an Article 5, you know, constitutional convention which is dangerous as all get out, ill-advised to say the least, uh, or they want to secede from the union, or they want to uh, you know, dissolve the political bands that bind us to another. And the Founding Fathers warned us in the Declaration of Independence. They also said, hey, don't do it for light and, and uh, you know, unreasonable reasons or you know, important and transient reasons, right? Uh, but at the same time, you say, well, we're already way past that, Sam. It's time to get it done. In fact, hey, we the people, uh, man, the Declaration of Independence says government drives its just power from our consent. And by golly, I, for one, don't give consent anymore. You know that? I'm just done with that. I'm done with these bureaucrats. I'm done with these people. Throw them all in the clink. Let's just take action. Let's get it done. Ladies and gentlemen, you got to understand that it's not individualistically do we give consent. And that's really kind of where the battle begins. The sovereign citizen says stuff like this. I don't need a driver's license. I don't drive. I travel. And by golly, I have a God-given right to travel. And who is government to tell me I don't? And the next guy says, hey, man, I don't have to pay income taxes. Go study the law. The law's on my side. I ain't paying my income tax. The next guy says, hey, these government wonks are out of control. Let's, let's go to war with them. 
uh, the next guy says, you know, you guys are all fine. I don't care about any of those things. The hill I'm going to die on is, the hill I'm going to die on is, the hill I'm going to die on is, and you put anything in there that you want to. The problem is, ladies and gentlemen, the sovereignty movement, when taken to extreme, uh, when literally taken out of context of our founding intentions, um, becomes just as great of a problem as the bureaucrats who are lording over us. Both scenarios cometh of evil. Both scenarios lead us astray. Satan careth not which road to hell he leads us down. As long as we're not on the right road to liberty, he could care less how we get there. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a serious issue that I thought would bring up the Dr. Bradley and see if we can't put a handle on this thing to get a grip on what's really going on. So over 10 years ago, Forbes magazine said, hey, what's a sovereign citizen? Are you part of the sovereign citizen movement, I ask, ladies and gentlemen? Do you identify as a sovereign citizen? Okay, the common law is what they point to. They want these common law grand juries. Let's go ahead and just indict everybody. But ladies and gentlemen, England and the courts and the king, well, the battle against the king was the common law. But that now exists in the United States primarily because it comes out of England in our history. And a lot of it makes sense, but when taken too far or out of context, we get a problem, doctor. Well, you've outlined a problem that uh, to address all of the issues would probably be a very, very worthy dissertation. Um, we have so many issues to look at. I mean, where, which, which string to pull on? Let's let's just talk for just a moment. I've uh, I've got very good friends that consider themselves to be sovereign citizens, and I love them like family. And just like family, we disagree on issues oftentimes. But uh, many of the sovereign citizens have decided they're going to, if you will, renounce their United States citizenship. And to them, it's like, well, it's the corporate citizenship issue and all those kinds of things. But where do they go? What do they do? Where is there to hide? Or what is there to stand with? And so on and so forth. And, and you find that they don't have a lot, of, a lot of answers. A lot of times they'll say, well, we're going to turn to the United Nations to uh, uphold our liberty. Well, that's going to really work. What could go wrong with that? I mean, literally, that's what they talk about. They're going to put their hope in the United Nations. And the United Nations is, uh, is basically a socialist world government in the making. And uh, socialism is based upon government-created uh, power and, and not God-given power and so on and so forth. So there's there's a fundamental problem there. There's there's issues with uh, the idea of well I'm not going to pay taxes. Well, you know we you look at George Washington's farewell address for example. He says you know a government does have to have taxes, and, and he's very reasonable and correct on that. And uh, it, you know the 45th Federalist Paper says most of the general government's um, taxing uh, origins were were to be tied to the uh, import taxes, but, uh, you know, because the general government was supposed to be really quite contained and small. And well, Bastier's The Law, by the way, highlights this fine line that you're discussing just eloquently. Well, uh, absolutely. We, we have a situation that in popularly elected governments, which is you could attribute that to the United States, people begin to say, well, if we can get power over the law, if we can 
create law that gives us benefit, then let's let's get in government and let's start pulling those levers and let's start becoming, um, you know, this force that that gets the things we want out of government. And the whole process of it is is a tragic misunderstanding where government uh, is to have limited powers. You look in the fundamental purposes of it. The purpose of government is to secure God-given rights. And yet we continue to think we can feed at the goodie box and increase taxes. And I mean, I, I see harebrained ideas put forth every single day in regards to how we're going to make it so that it's all good. We're going to give you know, weekly subsidies to everybody across the nation to help them pay for gas, for example, or whatever. Absolute absurd solutions that are way beyond the scope of, of what proper government is. It's not a redistributive power. The welfare clause has nothing to do with the dole or redistribution. It has to do with a stable, predictable government that keeps its actions within the, the bounds that were established. And, and that isn't the way it's going today. And and we, the people, continue to be at fault for this. <clears throat> and, you, and you look at... Um, Almost everything that we do in government now is with a selfish viewpoint. And and we just can't continue to do that and, and continue to maintain our freedom. And so it, it's an educational kind of process where we restore and return. And, and we didn't get here overnight, and we're not going to get out of it overnight. And I absolutely guarantee that if we decide we're going to secede from the Union, so to speak, we're going <laughs> to abandon ship What's the first thing you do when you create a new nation? You write a constitution. You alluded to the fact that it's a dangerous century to be writing a constitution. And who in this world, who in all the world, where in all the world could you find even one or two such men as those that established this nation, the United States, under the United States Constitution? They don't exist. And let's say you did find one or two or eight or ten or twenty. What makes you think they're going to be the ones that will write the Constitution? What You know who's going to be there at the, at the uh, table writing the Constitution? The knotheads that we've got in political power right now. Because that's who we keep choosing. And, and therein lies the problem. We continue to choose knotheads. And I guess that kind of says something about the electorate, largely. We largely are knotheads because we don't understand enough to stay free. And so, you know, that's, you, you just can't say, oh, well, uh, I know there'll be good people. God will raise up. And I've, I think I've, well, I don't know if I should take the time to tell. Well, sounds like we got to take a break anyway. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Are you part of the sovereign movement? I got to, you know, one of the ways that you know about the proper role of government is if you take something too extreme, does it work? And when you take something to extreme and it doesn't work, you know it's probably not a good idea. Hang tight. We'll talk about that and more with the good doctor, Dr. Scott Bradley, in seconds. Freedomsrisingsun.com. This is a battle, a battle between truth and deceit, a battle between forces that would enslave this country in darkness and between a media that wants to present you with the truth. We are being censored. America's news outlets no longer provide the truth. 90% of news outlets in the United States are controlled by six corporations. The mission of the Epic Times is to chase the truth, to ground all statements in fact. The 
TheEpicTimes.com. We at Freedom Factor have a passion for our shared American heritage and want to help restore some of that American pride by emphasizing the documents that made us Americans. Our goal is to put pocket constitutions into the hands of every American and in every school. This effort requires your help. Order your pocket constitutions and browse our website at freedomfactor.org to learn how you can help spread the message of freedom. Read it, know it, share it. Freedomfactor.org. The spirit of the American West is live and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues affecting the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today and gift ideas like the 2021 Real Buckaroo Calendar. Order online from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. Decades after Jimmy Carter, Joe Biden picked up where he left off. With America surrendering to terrorists, Biden's foolish spending is causing inflation, which means more pain of the pump, higher prices on groceries, devaluing your retirement savings when you need it most. Once was a mistake, twice is a disaster. America needs strong leaders, not weak ones. Save America JFC is responsible for the content of this advertising. Dr. Scott Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. Many roads lead to hell, but only one road leads to heaven. Similarly, ladies and gentlemen, many roads lead to tyranny, but only the U.S. Constitution leads to liberty, ladies and gentlemen. Look, nobody else has come up with a better plan. Okay, not only has the experiment of the Founding Fathers been so successful, when obeyed, it's, it, it's, you say, well, it's falling off the wheel. The wheels are falling off, Sam. My response is, yeah, as we leave the principles, we leave the blessings as well. Okay, look, the U.S. Constitution not only uh, has been put in place, but it's been tried and tested and beat up and mocked and undermined, and it still remains strong and still remains the solution. So, I, you know, they say the uh, many roads lead to hell, but only one road leads to heaven. I say many plans or many ideas lead to tyranny. Many, road leads, many roads lead to tyranny, but really the U.S. Constitution leads to liberty, doctor. I've got a chapter in my book called All Revolutions Are Not Created Equal. And uh, it's so true. I mean, virtually every other revolution that's ever happened in all the history of the world has, has led to tyranny. And that's kind of where we are now. The, our best, finest solution, our, our organic constitution continues to exist. The big problem is not that it's broken, it's that it's not being followed. And a lot of people are tossing out this idea, let's go to a a new convention, and, and there's been movement after movement after movement across the United States to do that. There's been over 11,700 proposed amendments. 27 of them have been ratified. That's all. But if we had, say, even 10% of those 11,000, our Constitution would be Swiss cheese. It would be such a twisted morass of everything. There's been hundreds, probably I'm thinking 400 attempts to call a convention. But the fact of the matter is we've got a stable platform from which to work. It's not time to abandon it. It's time to go forward. And and some people say, well, you know, by golly, we can do better than we No, we, we really can't. And so they want to rewrite it. And, again, the knotheads that are 
getting us into trouble or the knotheads are going to be there rewriting it. The only constitution the United States has helped write in the 21st century was the Iraqi constitution. It's a Soviet-style constitution. Uh, there's no right whatsoever to keep and bear arms. None. Zero. Only those that are government officials can. The freedom of speech, sure, as limited by law. What the heck kind of right is that? I mean, all of these things are completely bad. The real solution is the sixth article of the Constitution, the oath to uphold the Constitution. We, the people, need to, again, return and restore that kind of thing. You know, I, I talk to so many people. They say it's time for revolution. It's time for, you know, sh to shoot the government in the head, whatever. I mean, there's some, some, some that are pretty violent in their rhetoric. But, but just stop and think for a minute. Now, I don't know, as we've been told, the whole truth. And I don't personally believe we have been told the whole truth on Flight 93 that happened in, uh, you know, 9-11-2001. And, um, you know, they, the people rushed the cockpit and, and uh, pranked the airplane into the ground. And uh, the idea <laughs> of, of a revolutionary approach to things ends up in flying the airplane into the ground. We've got to wrest the controls of the airplane back into the hands of good and noble, solid statesmen that understand limits and bounds and checks and balances and the, the proper role of government, all those kind of things. We've got to bring the plane back around to a you know, normal flight path. We've got to bring it back into an approach and land the thing without killing all the passengers on board. And that's kind of where a lot of these concepts are coming from. And, and they're ill-founded because it's, it's just people are frustrated. And, and, and it, it makes people do crazy things. And usually the most vulnerable of all the society are the first ones that snap. And I, I would submit that most of the violent approaches don't have a good outcome. I would say that most people don't know what happens to a bullet once the trigger's pulled and it goes down range. Once you set things in motion, it's hard to take them back. And I would say those that wish to overthrow this nation would love to see a revolutionary force come up. I mean, look look at who comes into power. You, you get people like the Bolsheviks in Russia in the early 1900s. You look at the people like Mussolini's crew and, and Hitler's crew in, in uh, Nazi Germany in the late 20s and early 30s. They were looking for revolutionary overthrow. You look at the Illuminati and the, the concept of, of the, uh, the revolution that happened in the French Revolution, and, and we just don't see good outcomes coming from these things. And so what, what we really do need to do is restore, return, re-embrace, uh, re if you will, those foundational principles. Most Americans don't know that you know, the words from each according to his ability to each according to his needs is Marxist. It's not something out of the U.S. Uh, constitutional philosophy at all. And and we haven't taught it for so long. I, you know, there, there's so many avenues we've got to improve on. Our educational system it is an indoctrinational system for the socialist welfare state. It is basically a, um, it's undermining the very foundation of the nation each day. Uh, the the generation that's up today, the generation in high school, the generations that have just left high school, they've never even learned how to read cursive writing. How can they possibly go back and read 
and understand the words of the American Founding Fathers. We know people that have these immersion programs in their schools where they're learning Portuguese or some inane thing, and they teach everything in Portuguese. Yeah, they can speak Portuguese. They don't have a clue about George Washington or Patrick Henry or James Madison or who's George Mason for crying out loud. They don't have a clue about that. And, and we've got this egalitarian, we're all going to be uh, one global government kind of thing. We don't even understand our own history to know the strengths of it and what really is supposed to be preserved. And, and we're building into it our own destruction. And that's, uh, sadly, uh, many of the people in the sovereign citizens, again, very good friends. I love them. I, 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 I'm so delighted that they love liberty. But we've got to put this in a pathway that will not take us off the rails. And, and this idea, I, I talk to people, that they say, well, it's time to be in the streets. I've got an M16, they say. Well, they have F-16s, you know. A smear of napalm is really a miserable thing if you're on the receiving end. And, and I think that there are people that would love to see a disruption in the American um, psyche, if you will, that generates a violent response that ultimately and finally will allow them to fully implement our, our, the tyranny. And uh, there are processes put in place that work if we'll use them. And, and this idea of you and me, Sam, deciding we're going to be a, a, uh, a jury that's going to indict the governor, well, there's a process that we indict a governor. Uh, the, the governor needs to be brought, and I would say this in a large portion of the uh, governorships in the nation, most especially in Utah perhaps because I'm most familiar with it, they need to be impeached and removed from office because they have violated their oath of office. But there is a process by which that happens. It includes the legislature, and the people can put the legislature in there, and the people need to yank the legislature's chain and, and it can happen. I mean, you look at what happened in Utah with HB 11. Uh, there was a bill passed in Utah here this last legislative session, had overwhelming support that the, it wasn't a smart thing to, to let boys uh, compete in girls' sports. I mean, what could go wrong, right? It's like this swimmer, holy Hannah. He was like ranked, uh, what, 462nd or something like that in the nation on a boys' team. And now he's number one in the world on a girls' team. <coughs> it's just one of those things. It's not the way it's done. It's not natural. It's not normal. It's not the godly way. Anyway, the Utah legislature It violates said, no. science and it violates God's law as well. It does indeed. But Utah passed this law. The governor, the governor vetoed it. Okay. So the people got the, on the governor's case and he wouldn't listen. And so, so they went to the legislatures and said, it's time to override a veto. And they did, like in a nanosecond. I mean, I know I overstate that. But the fact of the matter is the legislature responded, and they did the right thing. But the fact of the matter is we keep putting these knotheads in office that oftentimes do really stupid things. Like, for example, the Utah legislature a few years ago um, passed a law that said that the governor can assume dictatorial powers, and it didn't say that in the, in the law, but in, the, in a state of emergency, the governor can be the, the legislature and create law. What a foolish, stupid thing. Not only was it foolish and stupid, but they had no authority to do that. And everyone who voted for that should have been turned out of office 
instantly, ladies and gentlemen. This is what we're talking about. Now, when we come back, I want to set the stage because, look, government, according to the Declaration of Independence, derives its just power from the consent of the governed. A lot of these sovereign citizens say, well, I withdraw my consent. That's fine, but I don't think it's an individual discussion. Let's talk about it in seconds with Dr. Scott Bradley on your radio. Pursuing Liberty, using the Constitution as our guide. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The only clear path to peace in Ukraine is a deal between Vladimir Putin and Volodymyr Zelensky. But red lines have been drawn by the Russian and Ukrainian leaders that are nowhere near each other. Another round of peace talks are scheduled for today in Turkey, though Putin has discounted Zelensky's call for a leader-level summit. President Biden's remark from a speech in Poland over the weekend that Russian President Vladimir Putin cannot remain in power is hindering U.S. policy and threatening to undermine diplomatic efforts to end the war in Ukraine. For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power. French President Emmanuel Macron worried that Biden's comment calling Mr. Putin a butcher could complicate diplomatic efforts to end the war. The White House quickly clarified the president's comment, saying the president's point was that Putin cannot be allowed to exercise power over his neighbors or the region. USA Radio News. Not too long ago, it felt good to withdraw your cash from the bank, didn't it? For a vacation or a new car. But today, withdrawing your own cash has become risky. Pat Boone here for Swiss America. According to The Secret War, a new Swiss America white paper, I learned that all banks are now required to spy on you and me for the government and then report any financial behavior deemed suspicious or unusual. You must read The Secret War. It's free. Thanks, Pat. Call toll-free 800-630-1490. That's 800-630-1490. Truth is, I believe the government's new war against cash is really a war against us all. But the secret is now out. So please, get and read The Secret War. Again, 800-630-1490. 800-630-1490 today. Or at SwissAmerica.com. Drummer for the band Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins, died in Bogota, Colombia after complaining of chest pains. Colombia police did report drugs were found in the hotel room at the Four Seasons. An official cause of death has not been announced, yet an autopsy revealed Taylor's heart weighed twice the amount of a normal heart. China's biggest city, Shanghai, with 26 million residents, began a two-stage lockdown Monday as authorities attempt different strategies to control the country's worst COVID-19 outbreak since the pandemic began. Shanghai, on the southeastern coast of China, is the center for finance and international business in the country. The city is also home to the world's largest shipping container port. The U.S. housing market this spring selling season is looking like a disaster, a result from a perfect storm. Interest rates on home mortgages have spiked, reducing affordability, and builders can't get adequate supplies to construct houses more quickly. USA Radio News. All right, revolutionary in its concept, ladies and gentlemen, of the Declaration of Independence. You know what? Governments derive their just powers 
from the consent of the governed. That's at odds, 180 degrees from what the kings and the courts and the, have said. But what does consent of the governed really mean? Is it individualistic where I can just say, hey, I don't give consent anymore? Or is it one of those very few but collective kind of understandings to where the consent of the governed means we society, we the people, have agreed to a contract? And in that contract are the ways to solve the problems when the contract is violated. I submit to you that consent of the governed isn't just this individualistic thing that anybody can do on a whim, doctor. In that assumption, and the idea, uh, you know, go back to the Declaration. You know, the consent of the governed is required as the right of the people to alter or abolish their government. Those things were built into the United States Constitution in Article 5. So if it was found to be wrong, and George Washington did say, if it's wrong, in his farewell address, change it. But use an authentic act to do that. The authentic act is found in Article 5 of the Constitution. Now, I would submit there's nothing wrong with it. It's just we're ignoring it, and we need to go back to Article 6, which says, oh, here's the oath we took. Let's live it. Now, here's the, here's the idea. You know, you alluded to this early uh, in the show, um, that, that we shouldn't uh, change things for light and transient purposes. Things over time, institutions have come into play over time. Uh, I think back, I think back, I wasn't there, but in the ninth century, uh, Alfred the Great canonized, if you will, he brought together the common law of, of England, and, and he was a, a great liberty lover, and we could talk at length about Alfred the Great. But, but he brought together these, these common practices within the law of how judges judge things. Over time, uh, let's go to the June 15th, uh, 1215, when some barons got together and put a, th a sword to the throat of, of, King, of King John and said, sign this king or we're going to you know, cut your throat. And there were a bunch of points of that. But the, uh, if you've read the Magna Carta, most Americans, most people in the world probably never have. But it was kind of a hodgepodge of things that were put together. They weren't institutionalized and not well practiced. And <coughs> honestly, um, there are things in there that we find reprehensible today, such as putting women and Jews at a, at a dis, you know, kind of a disadvantage in the law. But th it was an attempt. It was in a movement. It was things that were, you know, trying to bring these things about. And by the way, some of them were almost instantaneously. Uh, eliminated, the Pope intervened and said, no, you can't do this. I mean, like point 61, for example, was that if the king didn't take care of a, a problem that was brought to him, the, the barons could do anything, in turn, including burn down the castle, as long as it didn't hurt the king, his queen, or his children. And and uh, this this was unacceptable. But over time, these institutions that were, were kind of sorted out. England brought about some things. They didn't have a full written constitution, and that's wherein some of the problems came. But they had these these institutions of freedom, of travel, and and uh, life, limb, and property, and all those kinds of things that were recognized. Commentaries on the laws of England reviews this kind of stuff. But the point of the matter is that the Americans came along in the institutional, uh, you know, growth, if you will, and uh, they recognized we needed a written constitution. There are plain English words. The meanings have... I mean, the words have meanings. Those meanings can be known. We can go back and understand what they meant, and they can only mean what they were written in the day they were written. And so all of these institutions came along, but the consent of the governed was given at the ratification process. 
And, and it's not like every time we have an election, we give the consent of the governed. No, we are selecting people that should be trusted representatives to go into office, take an oath to live within the contract, you know, both within the general government contract as well as the state government contract, live within those bounds, not overstep those bounds, not think that because they're in their office they can write a check for anything they want. No, they have only so much power. They can do no more than what their contract says they can do. That's what we're selecting at an election. We're not giving our consent for them to do anything they want, and we're not giving our consent for some wannabe rebel somewhere to suddenly be. Uh, nobody can claim that. Only the people can claim that, and we could we could discuss at length what Jefferson said about that. If things if the wheels fall off, which in, I think an argument could be made that in many instances we'd say, yeah, the wheels are falling off in the United States. No one can offer to exercise that sovereignty on behalf of the people. The people themselves exercise it. It devolves back to them, and they need to re renew their ascendancy over those yo-yo knotheads, we've been calling them, through this whole discussion, and say, no, we're, we're removing you from office. These elections that are coming up, you don't have office for life, and, and we do have term limits, and it's called the ballot box. And the uh, in, in the interim, if we have decent representatives, they will they will bring about uh, the impeachment of individuals who should be removed from office for any unconstitutional act. Any time they violate their oath of office, I I don't believe we exercise uh, impeachment often enough, whether it's on judges or there's no question. Like but but let's be clear though, you cannot just individually decide that you're going to just hey we're going to. Uh, end the contract. We don't give consent anymore. That's not an individual choice that we can make as individuals. No, it, it truly is not. And the, the, the government that was instituted under the processes we've just discussed, where it came about through the, the uh, it's a kind of a deliberative process, if you will. And, and the, the ratification that occurred was a deliberative process. It was a highly debated and argued process that was ratified. We do have the right still to alter or abolish it. The only constitutional means of doing so is in Article 5 of the Constitution. The courts cannot do it, and, and neither can legislative action, and neither can some precipitous action by individuals or groups of individuals. And if they do that, they're not following the Constitution, number one. And number two— In fact, they become, they become uh, matching the, the moral low ground of those who are abusing us now. There is a long train of abuses. That's, let's be clear, no doubt about it. But you can't, as a small group, determine that somehow you can wrest power away from those who we've given consent to. You can say, well— Hey, they're not doing what's right. They're violating the contract. That's right. They are violating the contract, and there's provisions in the contract to remedy that. We're not taking those remedies, though. We're just deciding to go rogue, losing the moral high ground in the process, whether it be Article 5, whether it be secession. And uh, let's talk about these grand juries, these citizen grand juries. Where do they have authority? I submit they don't. Well, they have arrogated it to themselves. And uh, there is a process. Now, now, look, the United States, at every step of its, of its uh, 
process of coming into being was a Republican form of government. It has nothing to do with a party that is off the rails right now, too. It has to do with the trusted representatives that act within the limits and bounds and the scope of their delegation. So if you look at the, uh, the people that went to the, to the uh, you know, ultimately signed the Declaration of Independence, they were trusted representatives that were sent there by their states that had been the, the state appointed the delegates. The state representatives were, uh, were elected representatives also by the people. So trusted representatives appointed the trusted representatives. At every step along the way, this happened. The Constitution Convention, the, those delegates were selected by the trusted representatives of the people, the, of the states that went there. When they finished the Constitution in September of 1787, they turned it over to the trusted representatives of the states and the people that were in the Congress. And they said, we recommend you send this out to be, to be ratified within the states by trusted representatives. Every single process that happens in this whole thing is by trusted representatives that come into office. If you will, they have a pedigree. They know who their father was. They, you, to, to use a, a kind of a crude term, they're not bastards that, have, that don't even have an understanding of where their origins are. They have a, a pedigree of authority that comes through the proper processes. And for people to, to just throw off the reins and run willy-nilly through the countryside without, who's to say? Why couldn't we, Sam, declare ourselves king of the world or whatever? And what would give it validity? There is nothing that would. And, and the people that do that, by the way, now, and they have authority, quote-unquote, have done it by violent overthrow normally. They do it by power. They do it by violence. And, and it's, it's a horrific thing. I mean, and you look at almost every revolution that's happened with a very, very limited scope of differences. We came about, and liberty came out of our revolution. Almost nothing, comes out of, nothing good comes out of other revolutions. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to show you uh, how you can look at something in government, and if you take it to the extreme, does it work? Uh, let's do that in seconds with this sovereignty idea. You ready? We'll do it in seconds on your radio. Have you ever had great honey? No, I mean really good, all-natural, raw honey? Well, now you can, thanks to localhoneyman.com. We can ship out our locally made honey all across the U.S. So don't worry, you won't miss out. Plus, Local Honey Man has so many different flavors, like Utah Wildflower, High Desert Delight, Happy Valley, and Blackberry, just to name a few. So purchase your delicious raw honey today at localhoneyman.com. Do you treasure your liberty? Well, at LovingLiberty.net, we most certainly do. And we want to help protect your liberty, too. Become part of the family. Everyone knows that the core of any society is the family. Therefore, the government should foster and protect the integrity of its family. We the people. Won't you join us as a Loving Liberty sponsor to help us promote the principles in the 5,000-year leap? Let's restore the miracle that changed the world at LovingLiberty.net. The spirit of the American West is alive and well in Range Magazine, the award-winning quarterly devoted to the issues of the American West. Each issue contains informative articles, breathtaking imagery, as well as the culture of cowboy spirit today, and gift ideas like this year's Buckaroo calendar. Order online 
from rangemagazine.com. Loving Liberty Network salutes the spirit of the American West at rangemagazine.com. I think that my family has always had a big influence on me for not smoking because since I was little, I was taught that smoking was wrong. Recent studies indicate that smoking among teens often leads to the use of alcohol and other drugs. I think having faith in God is a big part in it because the way I was raised has helped to avoid smoking. Smoking. If you think you're old enough to start, you're smart enough to stop. A public service message from this station and the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Ladies and gentlemen, if men were angels, no government would be necessary. James Madison. The next question I have is, what if everyone did that? That's one of the ways you can tell if it it would run government off the rails if you did it. And we look at this consent of the governed idea. And these sovereignty movement people, let me give you an example. You want to jettison your Social Security number because you say, I don't want to be a, quote, federal citizen or a national citizen or you know, I refer to the general government, and I believe we are citizens of the constitutional republics, but we're also citizens of the United States. And some would say, no, Sam, you don't understand. Let me let me teach you about the corporation and the um, all this. And, the, and they go on and on and on and on. I've heard all of it, folks. Since 1871, we ran off the rails. We've lost our uh, liberty. And now we're, the 14th Amendment makes us all federalized citizens, part of the corporation. And Sam Bushman is actually a corporate name they're working under, and you got to take back your individualism. I've heard it all, folks. But here's what I want to say about this. What if you take this to the extreme, Dr. Bradley? I'm not going to give my consent anymore. Therefore, I'm going to get rid of my Social Security number. Check. I'm going to get rid of my driver's license because I travel. I don't drive. Check. I'm going to get rid of my birth certificate because, by golly, I just put my name in the Bible. I don't need no government birth. Check. Now I'm outside of the system. Well, not really. You see, you still want to use Federal Reserve notes, don't you? You still want to use the fiat money of the Federal Reserve, don't you? See, you can't extract yourself from the system all the way and literally be, as they would quote it, free. It's not possible. Well, no, Sam, I use gold and silver, and then I give my gold and silver to somebody, and then they go ahead and pay those bills for me. You're just playing games, and you're in the system by proxy if you do that. It's impossible to completely extract from the system and not take part to some degree I don't know if I should say in the spoils or what, but this is what I mean. What if everybody got rid of their birth certificate? Everybody got rid of their Social Security number. Everybody decided they weren't going to pay any taxes to the IRS. Everybody were to, and and you look at this and you say, it would be worse than what we've got now, doctor. You know, you bring up an issue of this corporate thing. And, and, you know, there's different dates that people toss around. You know, you you mentioned 1871. There's some stuff in the 1930s and, and there's all sorts of things uh, in, involved with this corporate kind of status. And it's, it's a lot more complex than most people are willing to even give thought to. But the fact of the matter is the organic constitution continues to exist. It is paramount, is superior to any other action taken by any other body in regards to governance. And so let's just say that in 1871, the Congress, in some dastardly deed, incorporated the United States under some rules of incorporation that they claim have taken away our God-given individual sovereignty, okay? And so consequently, we got to extract from the corporation. Here's how you do that. 
you go back to the organic document. It takes it takes precedence over any single action or any all of the conglomerative actions taken in sum and substance of all the bad things that have happened to the this nation under the hands of scoundrels. You know, the radical Republicans, which would be 1871, the radical Republicans implemented a Marxist kind of revolution in the United States in so many ways. But, but they did. the Constitution's still here, people. We can go back to it. All of these things that you claim have got, oh, my goodness, we're, we're under some corporate bondage now. No. <laughs> they, they, we only are if we act like it. And, and all these things that Sam says withdrawing from, well, why don't we go back to the original intent that was there to begin with? And, and again, it took us years to get in the mess we're in. And I don't know as we got years, but we've got to hurry and start working towards that. And if we can go back to that original intent, the plain English words of the United States Constitution, all of these other dastardly deeds fall by the way of the uh, of the, they just by the wayside. There, There is no power or authority for them to take precedence over the United States Constitution. And the United States Constitution limits the bounds within which any government agent or agency or department, whatever you want to call it, may act. I mean, the, all the federal lands issues go away where the government owns, uh, claims to own anyway, basically the means of our of our support for ourselves. All of these things like um, uh, requirements that that we we live within their constraints, they go away. That there is no power delegated to the United States government to do probably close to 90% of the stuff they're doing. There is no authority over crime in the United States at the general government level. And, and the fact of the matter is they have usurped it all. The Founding Fathers said clearly, look, they only have power over criminal activity in the things delegated in the United States Constitution, like counterfeiting, for example. Uh, the idea of coming into the country illegally. There, there's just not hardly anything that they have any authority over. And then our Tenth Amendment friends will say, yeah, but the states can do anything they darn well please. No, they can't. They're bound by the same constraints that come in our most, that, that in our most succinct statement about what government is. The purpose of government, as mentioned in the Declaration, is to secure God-given rights. They can't just do willy-nilly whatever they choose to do with government mandates about masks or fines for somebody going to school without having a vaccine and all these kinds of things. All of this kind of stuff, everybody is operating off the same rules if we understood what they, the limits and bounds were. But we don't. And consequently, we have revolutionary concepts being promoted that ultimately and finally the big hammer will come down on our head because they're looking for an excuse to do that. And yes, so they are. Now, another thing people it. try to do, in addition to this, uh, you know, jettisoning the system in some way, or they only they only get partway out, though they don't really realize they're still in the system. They're just giving themselves nothing but uh, they're, they're putting a target on their chest, if you will, figuratively speaking, because they, they're only partially out of the system, making their lives pure heck. But in addition to that, though, the next thing they try to do is they try to play this paper terrorism game. Let's just attack the bonds and the individual whatever of an individual. and Let's file all this paperwork. Um, 
to try to hold them criminally responsible for their acts and everything else. And uh, that's not going to work either, Doctor. Well, it hasn't so far. In fact, I, I, I was, you know, like I say, I have so many friends that I love like family. And, and one, one of those people that's family member was in the middle of a court case, took me aside one day, and they were using all these things you're talking about as, as their defense. This person actually went to jail for a time they never would have had to go to jail. I mean, I've personally known people that have gone to jail for weeks because of a cracked taillight because they pry all of these things. Anyway, the family member of this individual that was using all these ploys took me aside and said, Scott, what do you think about what's going on? And I says, as much as I hate to say this, as much as I love the people involved, I have never, ever, not once, ever seen a happy ending. And and in this particular case that I'm thinking of, uh, which I spend an awful lot of time focused on, the individual spent time in jail, uh, and there was no reason for that to happen. And And it's like I don't see happy endings coming out of these things in spite of the fact that people say, oh, we beat the system. And I, and I say, well, I, please, how, how do you know you beat them? Well, we didn't get convicted. Yeah, but you spent 90 days in jail um, cooling your jets while, while your life went by you and, and uh, there was no change done in the system. I mean, it's just a tragic travesty that plays over and over and over again. And I, I just feel so bad that people get drawn into this. We need to put our energy into restoring the foundation, not in trying to uh, somehow wheedle around a, a workaround that I've never seen work. And, I've and never you know what they're going to say for this program, Dr. Bradley? They're going to say, see, Sam doesn't understand the, the real issues. We've got to get somebody that can help Sam understand it. The well, second thing they're going to say is, Sam, him. you're not a real patriot because you're not embracing this. You're just kind of a wimp. You just want to talk. You don't want to really take any action, Sam. Uh, that's the attacks that I'm going to get, doctor. Well, and, and, and that's okay. I mean, the, the, look at the evidence. Look at what, what's being suggested and, and weigh and measure it based upon what the, the actual that has worked for a 250 years almost, and, and, and it's because we have abandoned the correct principles and we no longer apply them. And, and that is the solution. The Article 6 of the Constitution is the solution, holding people to their oath of office. And that is done by our own educational understanding. If we continue to elect the wrong people to office, they're going to continue to abuse us. And the, an individual that holds office and holds their oath of office sacred is so rare today. And, and I, I look at people, they say, oh, well, I, huh. yeah, but look what they gave me. You know, it's almost like, you know, you're, you're willing to give away your liberty because you get something that you think is of greater value out of these things. I mean, it's like in Utah here again. Our legislature was working on a bill that would have allowed individuals state funding for private education and, and let's say the average Utah spends five or six or eight thousand dollars I don't know what it is on a uh, state income tax thing well if they had five kids and they were each going to get five thousand dollars there's twenty five thousand dollars coming in for their private education Woo -woo, what a deal so they're getting something more than they're putting in the system and suddenly they're in favor of it it's wrong anyway 
and we've got to quit pulling the levers of government when they're wrong to be pulled. That's, that's the whole problem is we keep thinking, oh, well, in this little instance, I, well, a little bit of cancer is good, isn't it? No, it's not. And, and those that hold office need to be held accountable to their oath of office. And, and we need to, it's, it's like Jefferson said, let no more be said of confidence in man, but bind him down from mischief by the chains of the Constitution. And Tucker said, sometimes parchment chains aren't enough. They just aren't. People violate it anyway. And, that, and they said, that's good when that happens because it alerts us to the fact that they no longer are worthy of our, tr the, our trust in the office. And so if we're paying attention, if we're saying, wait, 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 this guy took, or this gal, whoever, took an oath to do this, they didn't do it, we need an opportunity to have them removed from office. I wished we could talk about recall. I get questions all the time. How do we get our senator, Senator Mitt Romney, out of office? Well, recall is not in the Constitution, and there's good reason. They had tried that before with the Articles of Confederation. We need to be wise in who we select, whom we put in office. And if we don't choose wisely, sometimes we suffer because of our stupidity. People say, oh, well, he deceived me to get into office. Well, it's time to make sure it doesn't happen again. Start paying attention. We have a response. If you're going to be free, eternal vigilance really is required. If we are going to be a free people, we cannot just go back and watch March Madness or whatever the heck people are doing nowadays. Ladies and gentlemen, we must return to the foundational principles of the proper role of government. It's that simple. And I don't care what plan you uh, invent tomorrow to solve the problem. Many roads lead to hell. Only one road leads to heaven. If men were angels, we wouldn't need government at all. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand this. Many roads lead to tyranny, but the U.S. Constitution leads to liberty. Let's get that straight and go to work, shall we please? Thanks for being alongside for the ride. Dr. Scott Bradley and Sam Bushman, we declare this nation shall endure. God save the Republic of the United States of America.